0: If you were to describe yourself, would you say you are more future thinking or backward thinking? Look to the future or look to the past? Well, the younger we are, the more we tend to think of future. As we age, we begin to recall memories. We start looking at the past, past experiences and we begin to think historically rather than future. Well, the future is great and we need to look at the future but sometimes we remember or we need to remember to look back to recollect when it comes to remembering or memories there are two very powerful forces that evoke memories in our human mind those two things are smell and music smell and music Smell, according to one source, evokes the most powerful of all senses. Smell is processed in the same area of the brain as emotions. Think food smells. Chocolate chip cookies, popcorn, roast turkey, roast beef. You can name it. Don't leave yet. We're not ready for lunch. But just think about food smells. Maybe coffee. Think about those smells. And you smell something, I know that I smell certain things when I go into some place that serves Asian food and it takes me back to Japan when I was in my childhood. Just one smell, just whoa, I remember where I was at that point. But music, music, or specifically song, is the richest in memories. I will never forget the week after September 11, 2001, The music artist Sting sang a phrase from one of his songs, How Fragile We Are. Just that one one phrase, how fragile we are. And every time I heard that song, I was brought back to 9-11 and the images of the trade towers collapsing. Song is very, very powerful. John Newton, who was the owner of a slave ship until he was converted to Christ, penned the famous song Amazing Grace after being set free from the slavery of sin and involvement in the slave trade. "An amazing grace evokes many memories for many of us. a, A man named Mr. Spafford penned the words of an incredible song while he was sailing across the Atlantic Ocean. He got to the location where a ship was rammed and sank. On that ship were his wife and four children, and his four children perished. And his wife was saved. What was that song? Some of you know the story. It is well with my soul. You hear a song and it, it just takes you back. You think about what you were doing when you first heard that song. And it might be a pop song like I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles. Or Smoke Gets In Your Eyes by I think of Smokey Robinson. The Beach Boys, the Bee Gees. Uh, Loretta Lynn, Chicago, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. You look at all those things, and I'll bet many of you if, you, if I played a song, you would say, I remember where I was when I first heard that song. Or maybe it's something a little more spiritual by the Gaithers or Andre Crouch. Maybe it was a, a favorite hymn. You hear it, or a chorus in a worship song, and it takes you back. There's tremendous power in song. Tremendous power in song. Significant events are celebrated and remembered in songs, songs written about an event. And the most well-known and most often sung is a song we sing in America before every sporting event in this nation. It's called the Star-Spangled Banner. The Star-Spangled Banner, it's a song to remember. It was written by Francis Scott Key during the War of 1812 as he stood offshore watching the British bombard and shell Fort McHenry. The bombardment started on Tuesday, September 13, 1814 and continued all that day and almost all night. Key and his friends knew that Fort McHenry had little defense. They paced the deck all night and even when dawn came, they did not know who had won the battle because the smoke and the haze was so thick. Suddenly, at seven o'clock, a break in the mist cleared, and for a moment, they saw the American flag still flying over the walls of, of the fort. Key was so excited and inspired that he took a half finished letter and pen and paper and he wrote the verses. The rest is what we say is history. The words of the first verse are very familiar. It says, "O oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof to the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Did you know there were three more verses to the star-spangled banner? I want us to go to just verse four. Verse four. I have all of them up here, but we're, and we're not going to sing it, but we'll look at it. It starts with, Oh, thus be it ever. It says, Well, thus be it ever when free men shall stand between their loved home and the war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Then conqueror we must when our cause is just. And this be our motto, in God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave the power of song that was written to memorialize an event in the history of our nation the preservation of our country power of song the songs are important because they help us remember and songs have been around for centuries and i'm not just talking about hymns okay just you know these are much older like 3000 years old well the bible also is full of songs of songs the most common and well known are found in the book of psalms but the very first song that's recorded in the bible is found in the book of exodus the book of exodus and when i say it's recorded i mean the lyrics not the music to our knowledge the ancient israelites were able to record the words but not the music of their songs they didn't have wire recorders or tape recorders or cassette recorders or cds or ipods or mp3s or cell phones I don't know how they survived life, but they they made it through somehow. And they passed these songs from generation to generation. We only have the texts of those today, not iPhone texts. We only have the words of these songs today. And today we're going to look at one of those songs. This song became the centerpiece of a celebration for the Israelites. This for them... Could have been a memorialized establishment of their country, like our national anthem, talking about the saving of our country and what it's founded on. This song could have been about the founding of their nation because it was sung, written and sung after the crossing of the Red Sea, after they escaped from slavery in Egypt. And it's a song that's still used today. It's a centerpiece for the celebration for the Israelites, a worship hymn as part of their Passover celebration. In Revelation 15.3, it says it's a song that we will all sing in heaven someday. Seriously? Yeah, it says in Revelation 15.3, it says, and they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb. This is to be sung by the ones victorious over the beast and his image standing by the sea of glass. You can look it up later. It's a powerful song. As we return to the book of Exodus today, the Israelites had just been rescued by God from slavery in Egypt. They had crossed the Red Sea, and God had destroyed the entire Egyptian army, the most powerful army of all time. And I want us to, to look at this song There's some descriptive words and three phrases. God is, God has done, and God is my. God is, God has done, and God is my. Today, who is like you, God? Who is like you, God? We're going to look at Exodus 15. Exodus 15, starting with verse 1. It's on page 56. In the Bible in front of you, if you want to follow it along in the Bible in the rack in front of you. Exodus 15. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O oh Lord, has was majestic in power. Your right hand, O oh Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger it consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood firm like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among you, who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. And the kings of Edom, Will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall upon them by the power of your arm. They will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, O Lord, until the people you brought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, O Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, your hands established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. As we look at this, there's a little bit of a different message. I want you to look at every one of these phrases, these titles for God. These are characteristics of God. And say, what does it mean to me? How, How can I personalize this? This is a song we don't know. We might need to learn it. Somebody may need to write, write some melodies to it. It's a song of praise. What does it reveal? First of all, number one, God is highly exalted. Highly exalted. The Hebrew word means arise, to grow, to show as exalted, to, to rise on high, to be elevated. Jehovah God had displayed his superiority over all the earthly powers at this point by casting all the horses and riders and chariots of the Egyptian army into the sea. In one action, he destroyed the greatest army on earth. At one time, it was totally destroyed. How? By waves, by waves, water waves, waves. How many of you have ever been surfing? Okay, and been surfing. Not a lot of surf, surf in in, in Wisconsin, but. If you go to one of the coasts, you can surf. A lot of people go to Florida. Can... Best surfing, of course, is off the coast of California or Hawaii. Now, i've I've tried body I've tried surfing. I'm, I was pretty good at body surfing, but I wanted to add a surfboard, and uh, not so much. The first time I tried surfing with a surfboard was with my cousin who lived in Pasadena, and we went to Laguna Beach. He gave me instructions and said, "Okay, this is what you want to do." You wait till the wave, you pick a wave and you wait till it comes in, and then you, you know you paddle, you stand up. He gave me all these instructions. And the very first wave I tried to ride, as I started to catch it, I was starting to stand up on the surfboard, and my cousin started to laugh. Um, y- your first experience is something it's not helpful when your instructor starts to laugh. He was laughing because it was the largest wave all day. Who knew? It's the largest wave all day. Well, when, when I tried to ride it, as I started to catch it and stand up on the surfboard, basically, it was a nine-foot wave, according to him. The wave ripped the board away from me, turned me into somersaults. I lost track of how many times I turned into somersaults. Um, I couldn't tell which way it was up. My face was ground in the sand, and I was all over the place. I, I was totally breathless and helpless at that point in time. Disoriented. One That was just one wave. One wave. Just one wave. The power of one wave. I experienced personally. Of course, we know that one wave, a tsunami, basically was so powerful it moved an entire train off the tracks and moved it a mile inland in Indonesia. One wave. This Red Sea wave did that. God is powerful. That's just... It's just the waves. Waves, the water actually destroyed the incredible, totally strong army of Egypt at that time. This God is highly exalted. How do we compare with our God when we look at what God can do? God is highly exalted. The next phrase, "God is a warrior, a warrior," verse three. A warrior is defined as one who knows how to make war, experienced in conflict. Now we admire warriors past or present. We don't like war, but we like warriors. We admire them, whether they're Alexander the Great or Genghis Khan, Napoleon, Patton, or MacArthur. Well, in the physical realm, no matter what the warriors are, they're nothing compared to God, our warrior, who fights on our behalf. He fights on behalf of his people. There are physical conflicts and physical battles, but The biggest thing that we deal with most often are spiritual battles and a clash of kingdoms. The kingdom of God versus the kingdom of of Satan. And God is our warrior who fights those battles on our behalf. He's called a warrior. He's well acquainted with conflict. And he says, I will fight for you. Then it says God is majestic in power, verse six, which is the ability to do, act, or produce. Who is like this God? Power. We compare the the most incredible powers that we know of. We think about nuclear weapons or bunker-busting bombs. And you compare that to a volcano like Mount St. Helens. It's like, it's nothing compared to a volcano. Compare just one volcanic blast with a bomb, or you compare one hurricane or typhoon to the most powerful weapon systems. There's no comparison. It's estimated that one asteroid colliding with the earth could cause more damage than 100 nuclear bombs. God created those forces. That's the God of power that is your warrior. Who is like you, God, majestic in power? Says he's majestic in holiness. We have a, we have a hard time understanding holiness. Holiness. Holiness, I I think of it in terms of perfection. Perfect righteousness, no mixed motives. Absolutely perfect. Now, some of you are perfectionists, some of you not so much. Those of you that are perfectionists, you would notice if the pulpit was a little bit off to the side, right? I'll move it back or my wife will get mad. Perfection. Perfection is something, and when we're talking about perfect, we're talking about perfect in relationship with God. It's holiness. It says he's majestic or perfect in holiness. It says he's awesome in glory. When we use the term awe. Awesome, I'm, I'm trying to remember when the word awesome became the word to say. Um, not when I was growing up. It wasn't awesome. It was something else. Then all of a sudden, everybody's saying, Awesome. Awesome. Everything's awesome. And when you really look at what that means, it evokes awe, which means you're abs- you're speechless. Okay? We use it a lot, but basically when you talk about awesome, it, it, it renders us speechless. We're so respectful, so in awe of who God is. He's awesome in his glory. says he un- has unfailing love, verse 13. And, of course, we know the most powerful force on earth is love. And this says it's not just any kind of love. It's unfailing love. It's consistent love. This is the kind of love. This is God is love. God is love. Who can compare? Who is like you, God? It was very important that the Israelites learned this song and they sang this song so that they would not forget this incredible event that happened. We can still read this song today, so that we compare and don't forget that God is just like we sing the national anthem all the time and remember home of the brave home of the brave we think about that this song don't forget God who is like you God then there's a section that talks about what God has done what has God done he shattered the enemy he breaks, the power of, he breaks the power over them. This is God's track record. And, of course, in this passage, he, he, he broke the power of the Egyptians. As we look back on the plagues, he brought all these plagues to break the will of the, of the uh, Egyptian people. He destroyed the economy. He destroyed their progeny. destroyed their morale. And then destroyed their military. His track record is he shatters the enemy. And God does it just by speaking the word. Speaking the word. He controls all nature and all the forces. Hurricanes, tornadoes, torrential rains, floods, earthquakes, volcanoes, asteroids, sun, heat, water, drought. And the difference is that God uses his creation, his creative weapons by just speaking. Just speaking the word. He shatters the enemy in that he shatters Satan's and Satan's power. It's a different way. It's a spiritual battle. What What are Satan's weapons against us? What are Satan's what what does he have to shatter when you feel like you're under attack spiritually? Accusation. You're not good enough. God will never forgive you. Who do you think you are? God can't love you. You're insignificant. There are accusations that that are thrown our way, and God has shattered those accusations. Pride, flesh, greed, and death. And God shattered Satan's weapons by Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, then exaltation. And when he was exalted to heaven, then he sent his Holy Spirit down to empower us. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have that power, the power of the living God in you. If you are committed to Jesus Christ, he's entered your life, and his Holy Spirit has filled you, you have that power to shatter the enemy's weapons. And finally, God shatters our enemies, our personal enemies. That might be guilt or depression, despair, sickness, materialism, or death. All of those enemies, says God shattered, shattered our enemies. Who is like you, God? God has done. He overthrew or threw down opposition, removed them. How many people rise up against God today? We see it in our country. We see it very obviously in our culture. The celebration of alternative forms of sexual expression. Transgenderism, the kind of thing that sin against who we are as people. God throws that down. He will take that down. How? By the blood of the lamb and by the testimony. Who is like you, God? It says, God has done, he has consumed his enemies like stubble. And this is a picture of burning them up totally. And God has done, letter D, verse 11, he is working wonders. Working wonders. Now, in order for us to experience deliverance, we must experience situations that we need deliverance from. Think about situations in the Bible that people needed deliverance. Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They go, the fiery furnace, different people. Well, just as God led Israel to the Red Sea, so God leads us into circumstances or allows us to get into circumstances where we need deliverance. Why? Why does He do that? So He can work wonders. So He can work wonders. There might have been a lot of easier ways for God to lead the children of Israel than through the Red Sea. They're surrounded. There's only one place to go. That's across there. He wanted them to know how great God was so he could demonstrate deliverance. God wants you to know how great he is so he can demonstrate deliverance. God can work in different ways. He can keep us from getting into situations where we need deliverance. It's called preservation. He can also lead us to places where we need deliverance, like the Red Sea. And then he can deliver us from situations we've gotten ourselves into. Working wonders. Do you ever just sit down and think about the things that God has done in delivering you from situations? Might have been a near auto accident. It could have been any number of things. God delivered You. Then he leads and gives guidance, verse 13. This is unfailing love. And the children of Israel, it was a cloud by day and a fire by night. If you need direction, God will lead you. It's in the word, it's in his song, Song of Moses. Working wonders. Who is like you, God? And then finally, number three, God is my, God is my. This is personal. Take this personal. Five attributes of Yahweh. Five attributes of Yahweh. If you need any of these, my strength, my strength. People, we are as a nation going through incredibly difficult times there's a tendency to focus on the negative and to look at all the bad things and all the stuff that's happening, and there's a lot of it. Some of you may feel weak, demoralized, whatever. Yahweh God is your strength. That he has to be the source of our strength, not our bank account or our consistent income or our relationships or we know this, and that. whatever it is, God has to be our strength. Don't don't look at things that you can see. Look at God. God is our strength. Then he says, he's my song. My song. This has to do with praise. One of the the things that we tend to do, we get down in the dumps as we start complaining and and bemoaning the fact, etc. You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to praise God in all circumstances. Praise him in all circumstances. It's hard to do. But when we praise God, what happens when we praise God in circumstances? Takes takes our eyes off of the circumstances and places it on God. That's why we come together every Sunday morning as a group to pray. You, you don't have to come to church to praise; you can praise God anywhere. But praising Him, telling God how great He is one of the one of the joys we have in our backyard. Our neighbor put up um, a bird feeder and a birdhouse. Now the birdhouse they put up when they put it up, I helped them mount it and. And put it up, and I said, now, who's going to live in this birdhouse? He said, it's, it's going to be a bluebird. I said, how do you know that? I hadn't seen a bluebird. He said, it's the size of the hole. I said, really? That's interesting. So put it up, and sure enough, they start coming. And, what is there? It's a bluebird family. It's, it's an amazing thing, this bluebird family. We watch the, the mate the coming, and all of a sudden, they're starting to bring food. Now there are three three other little bluebirds running around, flying around, flitting and stuff. It's the most amazing thing to see. I, where was I going with that? <laughs> oh, my song. Okay, praising God, looking at the good things that God does, and and what can what can we learn from watching that process? I can praise God for His watch, you know, His creativity. You know, we see these different animals. We've seen. Um, just driving around. Some of you, you know, we were from the city. You know, we could see raccoons once in a while. That's about all we saw. You know, scavengers. Out here, we've seen fox. We've seen badgers. Of course, lots of deer. We saw a brand-new little-born fawn one day that was trying to cross the road. We stopped, and we stopped traffic to make sure it could get it across, and we've seen that. Um, and then innumerable birds that, that we don't have in the Seattle area. It's, it's like all this... Creation. It's amazing. And I can praise God for that creation. I I can look at anything. I can look at how nature works. Some of you like to work in the garden. You plant a seed and it grows. How's that work? Nobody knows. You don't know. We don't know how that works. We just know that the seed grows. God made that. We can praise God for so many things. And we can be taken up by all the awful things that are happening. Or we can focus and praise praise God. And when we praise God for those things, we begin to see how great he is and how strong he is and how much he cares for us. Praise. My song. God is my salvation, redemption. Bought and purchased. Every one of us were purchased or offered to be purchased by the blood of Jesus. We just have to accept the gift. Every individual has a possibility of being restored to the highest created order which God intended through personal salvation. By Jesus in his death on the cross. God is my. God is my God. We have our own God. There's no other God. I have my own personal God that I worship. He is my God. He's your God. Let that sink in. You have a God that loves you, cares for you. He's yours. He's your God that you worship. He's also my Father's God. My Father's God. I mean, there's a heritage, there's an inheritance. When we look at this song, and we can't get into all of it. This talks about how he's going to bring him into the promised land. We don't have time to go into all of that today. When you ask the question, who is like you, God? We see the power of song. And the final phrase is verse 18. The Lord will reign forever and ever. And if there's anything we need to hear today, and you may need to just read through this again and find out that God is, God has done, and God is my again. God is my. And as a nation... As we move forward in celebration of Independence Day. Our God. The God who founded this country. We can move forward with confidence and assurance. Knowing who our God is. Who is like you God. Let's pray. Father we thank you. That the Israelites experienced an incredible Event. And thank you that Moses wrote the song. And I pray, God, that we would look at your word and begin to understand in small ways and big ways who you are and what you've done. And I pray that our confidence would be in you as we worship you today. In Jesus' name.